Hey guys, we're back. New setup, new layout, new format of the podcast a little bit. Um, so we've been gone for a while. I've been working on some things on the back end with the business and just making sure all of our ducks are in a row. But we're back. We're back now. I still have the giveaway going on. We're actually close to 100 subscribers. So if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you do that. Once we hit 100, you will be entered into a drawing to win a free pair of Raycon headphones. They are really, really good. They're nice headphones. They're what I use at the gym, too. Skylar got me a pair like six months ago. I use, I use mine like all the time, and she can vouch for that. I use it all the time. Actually, I have to have him take them off to give him a hug at the end of the day because he's got them around his it's, neck. It's part of my attire now. But they're really, really good. The battery life on them is awesome. Uh, good noise cancellation. Um, the only thing that I don't like about them, I'm just being upfront with you guys, is when you're on the phone with someone, they can hear everything that's going on in the background. So if you got like music playing in the background, if you're at the gym like I am, and someone calls you, they're going to hear all of that in the background as well. You'll be able to hear the person you're talking to just fine, but they may not be able to hear you as well. I don't. When I call Skylar at the gym, I can hear the guy in the back of the gym at the Scott Rack talking on his phone. I mean, it's you. Yeah. Yeah. So it. But aside from that, what a they great are, advertisement. <laughs> aside from that, they're phenomenal. <laughs> and we're talking about these. We're talking about these headphones for way too long. Um, so we're not going to do "Am I the Asshole" today. Carrie, I might actually let you go ahead and say kind of introduce say, what we're yeah, talking about. Okay, so I think for a few different podcasts that Skylar and I have done together, episodes anyway, we have lightly touched on the subject of being caretakers and talking about what happened with my dad, but I kind of always cut off the conversation and I say, well, that's for another podcast, and I kind of make a joke about it. This is that podcast. This is that podcast, and Skylar has said to me after, you know, the camera was off and the podcast is done and we're getting ready to go about our day, you know, this would have been a good opportunity to talk about this. So we're going to talk about it. Um, first and foremost, Skylar and I are caretakers. If anybody missed that memo, um, I know that it's not the reason why Skylar got into coaching, but I also know that it's part of his makeup and who he is now being a caretaker and watching everything that happened with my dad. Yeah. So it definitely plays a part into how mostly coaching got to where it is today. Do you want to just, I guess, kind of start from the beginning? And you don't have to give every single little detail, but do you want to talk about like what happened with your dad? And honestly, I mean, I guess you could start back to when he first started getting sick when you were. <laughs> I can start. I can start back to nineteen yeah. when he was. Yeah, go when ahead. he was born in the nineteen hundreds. Um, this man's been through a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, um, wow, and I didn't really prepare how I wanted to tell this story. I just knew that I wanted to tell it. So. Forgive me if this gets a little muddy. Okay. But so my dad was born in the 50s. And I think a lot of people in his generation didn't have the resources that we have now to um, to mental health, to addiction, to what a toxic family life looks like, to mm -hmm. um, the way men and women are treated in our society based off of their gender and those gender roles that they're assigned. Um there just there wasn't the resources available. I guess that's the best way to put that, right? right. Yeah. And is, yeah. um, you know, my dad definitely grew up in a high testosterone, toxic masculinity sort of family. I won't tell his stories because they're his to tell, but it definitely sounds like it was a hard way to grow up. And he struggled with addiction in his teens and his twenties continues to struggle today but um you know 
all different types of drugs, alcohol. Mm-hmm. And in his, I think it was mid-30s, he started to experience symptoms of um, depression. Bipolar started to sort of be something that was being thrown around of a possibility of what he might have. And he was somebody that I label as like in the 90s, in like the early to mid 90s, somebody that was um, part of that wave of people that pills were just being thrown at them. But we didn't really know what the pills were going to do yet. And all it did was fuel his addiction problems more. And I grew up so from when I was very young, I had more of like what you would consider the like nice picture of a family. But by the time that before I was 10, definitely drugs definitely started to rear its ugly head in my household. And as a teenager and into my 20s, my dad had a full blown addiction this is affecting every single area of our home life. Mm-hmm. And when I was 20, or when did we meet? I think I was 24. Uh, Were we 24, 24 25? 25 yeah. Met? So uh, regardless, in my mid-20s, I was working um, at a corporate chain restaurant, and I was a closer. So I would get off really late at night, like 11 or so at night. And it just so happened to be Cinco de Mayo weekend, I had two different parties that I was invited to and to go home to like change or to not just go directly to a party was not something that I was doing in my twenties. You know, I was like, I was going to drink, man, as soon as I got (laughs) off work, especially so late. And I don't know something that night. I, I even had clothes with me and I went home to shower, which I just can't stress enough how weird that was compared to what my normal routine was. So I I went home and it was just my dad home and my mom um, was away. She was in another state at the time. She was actually just arriving home from the airport around the time that this was all happening. And I got home and my dad was all messed up, slurry. It was drugs, but the best way I could describe it was like if you found somebody that had drank like a bottle of uh, like a fifth of something, just really slurry and droopy and falling over and because of where we were at at that point, I didn't really think anything of it. This was normal. This was just You're like, like t- typical dad. Yeah, it's just normal Tuesday. High and drunk off his butt. Yeah. So, and he had had a bedroom at that time, and um, he was all slurred over in his bed. And I went to get ready, and I and I went to come back maybe f- within five minutes to let him know that I was leaving. I knew that my mom was going to be home in like an hour, maybe because again she had just landed from the airport. That's not too far from our house. And I found him and he was down and I don't want to get into too much detail, but I saved my dad's life that night. Um, I gave my mom a call. She was able to make an hour drive in like 25 minutes. I still to this day don't know how she didn't get it's. I mean, honestly, I don't know how she didn't get herself killed with how quickly she would have had to have drove up the highway and through some back roads to get to me mm-hmm. by the time that the ambulance and the police were there with my dad and myself. Um, but anyways, that that then started, that night changed the rest of my life, and Skylar didn't know that it was going to change his life. It changed my mom's life. It, it changed everything in our family, and um, we met three weeks after that incident, four weeks tops. It was like within a month that yeah, you and I met. Yeah, I think it was a month, yeah. Yeah, so... As Skylar has previously mentioned, he got out of a significantly toxic relationship right before we 
met and he started working out with his cousin that's that's part of his testimony for mostly coaching yeah so at the same time that that was happening in his life and we hadn't we were we were so close to meeting but we hadn't met yet so that was happening in his life and then this is what was going on in my life and for the next four months of which i would meet skylar a month into those four months for the next four months of my life pretty much every single day and when i say pretty much i really mean pretty much every single day was long hours spent at the hospital and the nursing home and that was a lot of talking would <laughs> no, you you're, you're fine go ahead i mean you're telling the story so. yeah no i know yeah. um this is a lot of talking i don't know do you have i missed any important no. parts of this do you think not yet okay and if, if you miss anything it's it's totally normal. It's okay. <laughs> You're yeah. not going to be able to cover everything. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it's crazy to think that this was almost 10 years ago too. Mm -hmm. This all happened in 2014. So we're, wow. Yeah. We're less than a year away from it. Yeah. The 10 year reunion. But anyways, in those, so in the first like week or two, they told my mom and I to plan a funeral that my dad was going to die. And we didn't because- this man, I mean, I've spent resilient as hell. I, I call it, like this is such a bad joke, a dark joke, but like he's a he's a cockroach person. He just, there are there are some people that are just like, how can you continue living the way that you do and you still come out of it? And like prior to all this, prior to this happening, like he's gotten sick from other things. Like what? Was... Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. He's been in and out of the hospital literally since I was seven years old. I've, it's crazy. I know the ins and outs of the local hospitals like nobody's business because i feel like i half grew up there thanks to a lot of my dad's ailments but yeah this man is uh he he's very resilient but but keep going so we didn't plan the funeral for reasons that skylar and i just explained and they came back to us and they said no seriously you need to plan services. This is the date that we're going to, you know, pull his his plug. And um, that date just so happened to be Mother's Day of that year. And my mom felt like there was no way she could do that to her, her mother-in-law, my dad's mother, who was still alive at this point. So that bought him one extra day. And in that one extra day, we started to see a little bit of eye flutter, a little bit of eye movement. And that snowballed into him coming home um four months later but when he came home he um the insurance released him the hospital didn't release him so when he came home to us my mom and i have absolutely no medical education whatsoever and he was still on um a trach mm -hmm. that we had to Oh, I forget what we had to do for it now because it's been so long. But we had to do something. There was daily care with the trach. And I don't remember what it is anymore. But I know we had to do something with the trach. That had to be learned in a matter of 24 hours. And then he was also on a peg in his um, his stomach. So we had to learn how to crush up his pills and, and give those to him in a tube and also give him his water in a tube. Like literally no medical experience and 24 hours later you are keeping your parent alive after your own traumatic experience of finding them and saving their life yeah and i mean at that point you really don't have a choice but to to figure it out and yeah and because insurance said you know <clears throat> well he's not getting better so he's got to go mm -hmm. anyway that's now that is another podcast <laughs> <laughs> but 
But anyways, so Skylar and I were getting to know each other around that time. And he went one time to meet my dad in the nursing home. That's where Skylar met my dad was in a nursing home. And I remember that day for me was hard because my dad and I kind of had a routine at the nursing home. I would wheel him from his room and we would go outside and I would comb his hair for him. I would wash his face off with a washcloth. It was like this dry shampoo stuff that I would use for him. And I would just do a lot of care for him outside in the sun. I would read to him and we didn't even really know each other. And I invited you to that, that time and not to throw anybody under the bus. It's just the truth of the fact, none of my friends, unless I'm having like traumas blocking a memory, I don't remember any of my friends going to see my dad, but you did. And that stuck out to me. And then when dad came home and he was on the the peg and the trach, you would come over. I was getting off of Chili's at like 11 or midnight and I would come home and be his night nurse. I would take care of his things while my mom was sleeping to wake up early for work. And you would come over and you would sit with us for like two hours. Then you would go home and wake up early yourself for work. So you were probably only getting like three or four hour nights of sleep. And like, we didn't even like, you didn't even know me, know me, you know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know, you know, you. So anyways, that's kind of, that's kind of the origin story of how Skyler and I became caretakers. And then it's just been nine and a half years of taking care of him. He's had quite a few strokes since he came home. Skylar actually saved him. What, um, he's, has he, I think, Again, excuse me because trauma sort of blocks memories, but off the top of my head, there have been two close calls that were close enough for me to say he truly almost died. And that was the night that he fell. And then this recent incident Uh, that we had at the restaurant. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to talk about the night that he fell at all, if you remember that. Are you talking about when he fell coming up the steps and your mom called for us? Or no, is that I mean, when he fell? I mean, that oh, one, when he fell in the living room. When he fell in the living room. When he the, we've had a few falls and they're all really scary, but they all haven't been. It's when he hit his head and on the wall, right? So the one that Skylar just mentioned when he fell on the steps that was really scary, but it wasn't life threatening. It was just it was scary, but we caught him in time, thank goodness. But the one that that I'm talking about, go ahead, Skylar. You know now. I'm trying to. I don't remember it all. I just know that was your mom trying to get trying to get him to stand up to go to the bathroom. And he was starting to lose his. And gait, he was losing his gait, his balance, and he f- and he fell, and he's hit. He like he like left like there's there the the wall needed repaired. Like he hit his head that hard on the. It wall. It looked like somebody took like a volleyball or a basketball and or a soccer like, ball, like that type size ball, and just like threw it really hard at the wall. Threw it into the wall with like lead in it or lot, something. Enough force to 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 crack it and put a hole in it, pretty much. It put a hole in the wall bigger than a grapefruit. His head, his skull. Yeah, and luckily I was around to, to to you know to help to get him back up. Um, but some of the, I mean, there's a lot of, like he, there's a lot of issues that he has because of the stroke that he had when she found him and saved him. You know, his motor skills are shot, so he can't feed himself. Um, we he's take not, him to the bathroom. Yeah, we take him to the bathroom. He's not totally blind. All right, so we we think he's kind of playing us because this man. <laughs> Hold on, stop. Before you tell his secret, stop. So he has what's considered cortical blindness. <laughs> Technically, he's been to many, many eye doctors over the course of the last decade. Yeah. And his eyes are fine. So, like, yes, Skyler's right. His eyes are fine. So he doesn't know. He doesn't speaking. know. 
He doesn't know what I look it's like. It's a brain injury. He can like see like I guess like an image of me, like the form of he me. He can see like your aura, like my he aura. Can, he yeah, kind of see like he can see that there's a person there. But, but this man will be out and about, and he'll be like, we'll be driving at night or whatever, and he's like, oh, there's there's a lot of stars out tonight. Or the star, the sky is really pretty. I'm and like, we're like, oh, what? Like, are how there, are you? Like, are there a lot of stars this? out tonight? <laughs> I remember one time. This is back. So when his accident happened, he had like a big pickup truck and we eventually got rid of it we didn't need it but we kept it for like a year or two oh, I know you're going just yeah, yeah just out of consideration to him and he, when something like this happens you don't really know what to expect especially in those first like five years mm-hmm. are they gonna have this like miracle come around are they gonna go the other way are we gonna lose them you just don't know so we held on to the truck for a while and i borrowed it one time and i brought it back now this is a, this is a blind man that i'm like peg tube feeding he's got a trach the whole nine can't see and he's like well you brought home back my truck it's pretty dirty and it was like is it is it dirty that's interesting you can so see we, that we, we, we question sometimes whether or not he really can see or if no, he's just playing I, I think what it is he definitely can't see he has cortical blindness which means that um the brain is not processing the image correctly and then shooting it out to his eye which mm-hmm. is absolutely the scientific way to describe that <laughs> shooting it out his eye it's in every single science book but so anyways yes he's he's definitely what i would call 24 7 care yeah absolutely yeah so we i mean um he he needs 24-7 care. He needs someone watching him pretty much all the time, taking him to the bathroom, feeding him, uh, you know, bathing him, changing his clothes, all that jazz. And living with that, it it changes. I don't know. At least it for me, it changes. So it changes the way that you view everything. Everything, and I think. Being introduced to that and then living with it, becoming a caretaker myself, it like really reinforced for me how important taking care of yourself is. And I know that there's things that are outside of our control sometimes. There's health issues that we just cannot control. But we're talking, we're we're not talking about that though. No, we're talking about the things that are we're talking about preventable, preventable things, and just seeing the seeing how he's lost his independence. And how he can't live this life. I mean, he's still young. And he can't live. He's young when it happened. And he's still young now. And he can't live. He can't live his life, really. You know, he's kind of, he's kind of, I guess, bedridden for the most part. You know, he spends a lot of his days, you know, listening to his books while he's laying in his bed. Or he's sitting in his chair. And, you know, you just see that. And you live with it. And it just kind of opens your eyes to being like, okay, maybe... I need to do what I need to do for myself so I don't not only put myself in that situation, but put have my family have to, to take care of me like that to that extent. And it's just, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just been a real game changer for me in terms of just how I view health and how I view health longevity um, and how important it is. I think that, you know, we, we start taking care of yourself now so you don't have to worry about that stuff later. Um, but yeah, it's definitely changed my viewpoint a lot when it comes to taking care of yourself and your independence and i don't really like using the word being a burden to your family because it has like a lot a lot of negative connotation to it but i guess that's essentially what it is is being a burden and 
you know, we don't want to be a burden to our family members or anything like that. So, yeah, that's, that's a fun, I mean, I don't, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I don't consider my dad a burden. It's such, you know how we always say things weren't black and white. There's just so many gray areas to so many things, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's, it's really unfortunate that things happen the way that they happened, but I'm also grateful that they happened how they happened. Um, I think another really big part of of this story another big piece to kind of understand a little bit more how a person could get to the point of becoming addicted to something um is so my dad i have a sister and um i have a half sister she was born let's see i was born she was born in the 70s i was born in the 80s she was born in the 70s and when i was growing up my dad and my sister's mother, who I'm not related to, they did not have a good co-parenting relationship. Um, I don't want to get too into it because it's their story, mm-hmm. but I was affected by their relationship by not having a relationship with my with my sister. So I didn't really know her, but I knew that my dad loved her and I knew that she loved me. And um, when I was 14 and when my sister was 28, she was murdered. And it's actually highlighted on um, on a ID channel show. Um, I won't get to, I don't want to get too into it or give too many details, but he would have been, let's see if she was 28. He was probably in his very, he was in his early 50s, late 40s when it happened and to not to miss your child so much to not have a relationship with them to have a strained relationship with them and then to never be able to see them again really fueled his addiction Mm -hmm. i remember my sister's funeral and i remember how messed up my dad was on pills that day and i was too young to know to be embarrassed and i was too young to know what was really going on i was 14 at the time but you also you also surprisingly know a lot too as a teenager like there's a lot that you could pick up on so i knew something wasn't right but i didn't you know but anyways i um i think that 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 also had a like had a lot to do with with pushing his addiction into overdrive yeah i'd imagine that and then was he was he diagnosed with bipolar yes so you got you got oh and he's also uh the one thing that i forgot to mention when i said he was in and out of hospitals my whole life he's also a survivor of he had, he had um, cancer didn't he he had cancer while he also had double pneumonia yeah i, th- I thought it was double pneumonia I thought double was, pneumonia I think it was thinking, like, and was cancer at walking the same bronchitis time. is that a thing or that uh, you know this all happened in the late 90s so I don't yeah. I don't exactly remember. I know that when this podcast is done, my mom's gonna be like, it was this and this and this and this and So this. like but that's what I mean earlier about him being resilient. Like he had all these other issues that happened to him. And he's a vet. He's a Vietnam he's, yeah, vet. Yeah, he he was in the Navy. Um But I th- I think you're right, you know, the the addiction and then the the upbringing, his parents, you know, definitely plays a huge part. Um, the bipolar and then you know, losing your daughter. 
Yeah, this this situation with my dad becoming a ter- caretaker, of course, I I see and have and agree with what you're talking about with the physical lessons. Mm-hmm. But for me, the most important thing is and I don't I don't know how to make this part of a platform, but forgiveness. You know, I was so angry with my dad without knowing it when all of this happened. And I can remember a fight that we got into in the earlier years of you and I dating and of becoming a caretaker to my dad. And at the height of a fight, I remember screaming at him, I wish I never would have saved your life. And that I think is the worst thing I've ever said to another person in my life. And he said, I wish you wouldn't have saved me either. And it took about two years, but I sat him down and I apologized to him for that. And we had, and he apologized to me for upbringing and and, and stuff that happened when I was a kid. And, um, I wish that more people knew what it was like on the other side of forgiveness and to really have compassion for somebody and to, um, try to understand where they're coming from and where they've been. Because the thing is, you know, you could look at somebody that's older than you and say, you should know better because you're 50. But guess what? It's it's their first time being 50. Yeah. Just like it's your first time being in your 20s or in your teens or in yeah. your 30s. We're, we're all doing life for the first time. No matter what stage of life you're in, it's this is the first time that any of us are doing it. And the only time. So just to have more compassion, I think, is the number one thing that I learned throughout this. And I think because of everything that you and I have learned that has made mostly coaching more of a compassionate and understanding business because when we first started, it was very like, get your muscles in the gym. And now it's like, Hey buddy, we should work on that too, because physical health is so important. And I've seen a testimony to why it's so important to work on preventative health, but also I've seen what it's like if you don't work on your mental health. And that's why I wanted to talk about my dad today. You did a good job. Thanks. <laughs> but no, I think you're right, you know, because um, you really don't know anyone's backstory. You don't know what they've gone through or you anything don't. like and that. And you can probably make some general assumptions and nine times out of ten be right, but you still You still don't know the know full picture. Everything, yeah. <clears throat> I think you're right. I think we could, as a, as a country and whole, be more compassionate with each other, um, and less less judgmental. There's a lot of judging that that goes on, especially obviously on social media and, and whatnot. Um, even in, obviously in person as well too. It's no different than social media or in person. People are are just going to judge you because that's just what we do as humans. Um, but you can. You, you have to have compassion and there's got to be compassion there. And I think, I think being able to kind of step outside of yourself and I don't know, get to know the person, you know, you may not know their whole backstory from the first time talking to them, but that's something that you can work up to, but it still goes back to don't, you can't judge people because you don't, you don't know what they've been through. You don't know what their upbringing has been like. You don't know what struggles or trials or tribulations they've gone through to get to where they are. So I completely agree with you 100% on that.
Yeah. Yeah. It's been quite a journey. It's been quite a journey. You know, when Skylar and I met, it probably took him about a month to tell me about his brother. And at that time, and at that time, (laughs) um, I, I finally felt comfortable enough telling him about my sister. It's weird. I go through periods of time where I talk about her a lot. I talk about her on social media and then I'll go radio silent for a few years. And there have been people that have met me in my life during those years of radio silence that then I start to talk about it again and, and I give them whiplash and I don't mean to. But um, anyway, I had told Skylar about it and, and he had shared with me that he lost his brother and I was in just such a guarded trauma place that she didn't believe me i didn't believe him i thought he was lying to me i i i I can't remember being in that place but now that it's been almost 10 years i can't really rationalize it anymore but yeah that was such a what what a six months when we met and i know every (laughs) couple feels like They've got an incredible story. And you know what? They do. This is just our story. And it's also incredible. And I think it's worth telling. And um, like I said, in the very beginning, it absolutely ties into the Mosley coaching story. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, being with you, living, you know, being a caretaker for your dad, helping your mom out, um, you know, watching you go through your own mental health journey, um, you know, definitely made me more of a compassionate person and being able to see outside of myself and understand that everyone has their own circumstances that they're going through, you know, and it's not going to be whatever someone's working on, whatever they're trying to do, it's not going to be it's because it was linear for me. It doesn't mean it's gonna be linear for them or anything like that. So it's definitely helped me become a better coach with being understanding that ain't no one perfect. <laughs> ain't no one perfect. It was, you just got to try, you know, just try to be your best. And I think that's all you can really ask for. Um, other people that you care about, out of anyone really, it's just, just try your best. So, Do you feel like as a person that most likely, for the most part, would identify as neurotypical, that this has been an interesting journey to be with people that are neurodivergent? You know, that's a topic for another pot. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't know, because I, honestly, I feel like we all have our neurodivergent tendencies. I think some... Oh, we do. But some, some, are, you, are you talking about more on the spectrum? or? I just mean like, like, for example, you, although you have been anxious, and I would never discount uh, that. Like, ang- like you mean like anxiety? Yeah, like because there, there are different things at play yeah. in this household. I don't want to necessarily list them all off, but you have been exposed, I think... Not that there are things that have gone on in your own social circles and families. I was just curious, being a part of somebody else's family, as somebody who is a little bit more neurotypical, like you entered a family with an active running addict. Yeah, you know, so you saw how it affected me and all of the diagnoses that I got. Yeah, and you know, this is not my first rodeo with being with someone who is neurodivergent. No, you it's know. not. So I, you know, my my ex. Two or three exes ago. We're not. We're not <laughs> listening. That's. I'm um, so sorry. We're uh, not listing people. I'm not either. saying their names, but you know, I, I, I'm trying to think how many exes ago this was. I think it was two or three. Skylar has so many exes. Oh my god! He's, he's, you know, 
But either way, she she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So it wasn't my it, like it wasn't my first time being with someone who is neurodivergent. And, and you two are still friends and friendly. We're right? still friends, yeah. And you know, um, you know, she she went through her own thing. She got diagnosed with leukemia. Um, you know, and we weren't we had broken up shortly before that, I believe. But I was still around to kind of support her and be there for her. Um, because he's a good guy. But I don't know. I and maybe this is just me. If I don't know something, normally I like to read up on it so I have a better understanding of it. So when I was with my ex and, you know, I found out that she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I was like, okay, this is new to me. Like, let me read this, read up on this and see what I can do, like, to be a better partner. Um, and, it's, and it's no different uh, then than it is today. You know, I, you know, you've been going through, when you went through your mental health journey, you know, and you you know, we were diagnosed with these things, you know, I'd start reading, you know, I'd start reading to, to see again, how to be a better partner to, to watch out, you know, for things that may trigger anything or anything like that. And I'm going to make mistakes, you know, it's, it's going to happen. But I think, um, I don't know. I think being with you, um, you know, being with my ex at the time and being around your family today, it just gave me, I don't know, it's an appreciation and a newfound knowledge for, um, I don't know, it's mental health in general. I think it's made you more well-rounded well yeah. as a coach. Yeah. And I think that not just because of my family, but you as a person and, and taking the time to research things and, and understand where somebody else is sitting at the table, I think that has made you a more well-rounded person as well. I think you're a better friend think you're a better family member and not just to like me and my family but to to your family yeah. as well to our family yeah you there know. we go i just want to be the best the best me for my people that's all so for my people for my people but i think we've we've talked way too long we might <laughs> oh my have, god we've talked way too long we might have to split this into <laughs> two parts no we don't have to it's just gonna be a long long podcast but um if you made it this far thank you so much for listening but yeah thanks. i think that getting all of that out into the world definitely helps you understand mostly coaching a lot better helps them understand mostly coaching and it helps them understand you yep. a little bit better too yeah so lucky them thank you for opening up like that i actually wasn't expecting you to talk about randy so that's, that's kudos to you for for doing that cause... that's my sister's name randy i know it may seem easy because we're doing it and just talking and y'all just watching but talking about the stuff on here can be hard sometimes because you have to be really vulnerable and uh you know how judgmental people are, so those are things to think about. But I'm really proud of you for for Thank doing you. that. But we're going to end the episode here because I don't want this to be an hour long episode. That's way too long. That's way too much editing. <laughs> I don't want to do that. So we're going to stop it here. Um, the format moving forward with the podcast is kind of pretty much going to be similar to this. We're going to still do Am I the Assholes as well, um, and I'll still talk about fitness and lifestyle and stuff. But it's just going to be like a whatever we feel like talking about for the podcast, like. That's pretty much what it's going to be moving forward. I'm not doing any set in stone things or anything like that. I like having the freedom to, to talk about whatever I want to talk about. And you guys are more welcome to listen to if you want to, if you don't have to. And if you don't want to, that's okay too. And there is a section on our website if you want to hear us talk about something or give a hot take on something. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You can request on our website under the podcast portion. www.mosleycoaching.com. Uh, Go check it out. Awesome website. She created it. But yeah, if you guys have any topics that you want us to talk about, you can either leave it in the comment below. Um, you can DM me, you can go to the website and request a topic and 
if it's something that we have no idea what it is, you know, we'll do our research. He's available. Oh, I want to start doing trending stuff too. We're going to start doing trending stuff too. Yes. Cool. All righty. You done? Yeah. Cool. All right. With that being said, let's, let's mostly. mostly.